Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can partner with us to reach others by investing at trinitysandiego.org. Thanks once again. Now here's Pastor Todd. We're starting a new collection of talks, uh, and it is called It's Not You, It's Me. It's not you, it's me. It's all about relationships. And so uh, we're kicking off this collection of talks uh, over the next few weeks, and we're discussing the concept of relationships. And really, our world revolves around relationships. Uh, And I'm not just talking, I think that we can really go and we can focus on one thing. We can focus on the romantic relationship. We can focus on that, especially as a church, we have a tendency to go relationship equals romantic relationship. But I think that there are different relationships in our life that we have to have life spoken into. And things like our friendships, things like acquaintances, things like work relationships, things like uh, um, our romantic relationships also, things like parenting, things like um, friendships. Uh, We want to really address these issues so that we can be better people, right? Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I want to be a better person. I want to follow Jesus in a greater way. I want to let God speak into my life in a new way. And so that's why I'm really excited about this collection of talks. Uh, One thing that you'll notice in your church info guides is we're going to do something um, and we're going to, uh, in the coming weeks, you're going to see something that's going to take place. It's going to be awesome. But we have notes because I believe that note takers are... Okay, so as note takers or history makers, what I, what I want to do is I want to create every opportunity for you to, to go and have a history making moment because I don't just want you to hear a message, I want you to live a message. Oh, I'm going to say that again. I don't want you to hear a message, I want you to live a message. And the way you live a message is by taking what we learn here and putting it to practice. We got to put things to practice, you know. Uh, if you're watching your fantasy football, that won't help you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's opening week one of the NFL. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but I don't just want you to hear it, but I want you to live it. Um, so if you have your Bibles, please turn to Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. It will be also, you can see it in your sermon notes, it will be on your screens as well. We want to provide every opportunity for you to have uh, this space and time for you to understand this. So Jeremiah. 17 verses 7 and 8, it says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out roots by the streams, and it does not fear when heat comes. It leaves, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. How many want to live like that? Amen. I mean, I want to live like that, be a tree that's planted and flourishing and continuing to to grow every single moment, every single time, every single opportunity I have to grow. And and I believe that this is going to be a day of growth for all of us. I truly believe that this will be a day of growth. Now, also, if if you have your Bibles, now flip over to Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. And as we do so, let's greet our Facebook family. We're so grateful you're here from all over the world. We have people that tune in from Brazil. We have people that tune in from Pakistan. We have people that tune. So we just wanted to say welcome. We're thankful that you're here. uh, And and I hope that you are blessed by this message. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. It's also in your sermon notes. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. 
Doesn't sound very fun at the start, does it? Uh, Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to, to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Will reap eternal life. Today, the title of my message and the title of this in regards to It's Not You, It's Me, is this is going to set up the rest of this series for the next four weeks or three weeks. Uh, but my message title is What Are You Planting? What Are You Planting? Look at your neighbor and say, What Are You Planting? And I think that we're planting a lot of things, a a variety of different ways, and I hope that you will be encouraged by this, but let's pray. Jesus, we love you today. We're so grateful that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, I pray right now um, that any distraction goes away. In Jesus' name. Whether it's a health issue that we're sitting here and we're in pain just because we, we are sitting here. I pray healing right now under the sound of my voice. Whatever. And if here, let's take a moment. I just sense the Holy Spirit on this. If you are hurting in any way, put your hand on that place and let's just pray right now. So Jesus, I believe that you're a healing God and I believe that you can heal. Back pain has to flee right now. I believe knees can become whole, that tendons and ligaments will loosen and it will be, it will be completely together. I pray that eyes are healed right now in Jesus name. God, I pray victory over anything that we are ailing right now. I pray against that distraction, Lord, of just sitting here in this moment. I pray against the distraction of what we came in here with. God, you want to speak your word and the enemy's trying to do whatever he can to distract us from the opportunity of breakthrough. God, let breakthrough take place right now in these moments. Be with us. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, oh God, in your name. Everyone said? Amen. 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 Well, this last week I was in Montana. Um, it was awesome. We left on Tuesday morning at an ungodly hour at like 3 a.m. Uh, you should have prayed for me. Hopefully you were up praying for me at that time uh, and, and our family. But we went to Montana. That's where Katie's family uh, is from. Um, her folks live in Bozeman, Montana. Beautiful place. Uh, amazing place. But um, as I was reflecting upon uh, my trip to Montana, uh, I was thinking about the idea, and I was, as I was meditating and praying on what I was going to preach about, I was thinking about this idea of what are you planting? And I had these moments of thinking about what I'm planting because it reminded me of a story when we were standing in the kitchen at Katie's parents' house. Uh, we were all talking about my first encounter in Bozeman, Montana. Do you want me to tell you a little bit about my first encounter in Bozeman, Montana? Well, I'm a city boy, um, as you probably could tell. I, I don't own a pair of cowboy boots. I've ridden a horse on a trail one time. Um, I'm not like, I, I don't like to get dirty. Uh, I do like hard work though, uh, but I'm just not a, a country boy in any sense of the word. I like country music, but I don't, I don't profess to be a country artist at all or, or country anything. I'm just a city boy that likes stuff. And I went to Montana on a plane flight and I arrived in Montana and this city boy from the Seattle area going to, or not to Tacoma, but to Bozeman, Montana was kind of a shocker, if you will. I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, we say we're a city in the country in Poway. No, 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 no. No. We might have a horse farm out back, but let me tell you, it is nowhere like Bozeman, Montana. I get out, I, I go, I go, I call her up because I did have a cell phone. Um, and I, I called her up and I said, hey, I'm going to meet you at baggage claim. What claim do I need to meet you at? How, you know, like, do you know which one? Have you looked? And she goes, oh, there's only one. There's only one baggage claim. And I'm like, from Seattle, there's only one baggage claim. And she's like, yeah, I'll be there. They actually, you know, it's okay. I'll just be there. So I get off the plane 
And I get into her car, and it's a little Ford Festiva uh, that was like a little roller skate on wheels. Uh, just Google it. It's hilarious. Don't do it now. Uh, but we were, we, we were in this Ford Festiva, and I'm not talking about the new Fiesta. I'm talking about the old one, like from like 1989, right, babe? Was it like 89? Yeah, it was old. And it got like 800 miles to the gallon because it was so small. And, and we got in this little car, and we were cruising down this road called Frontage Road. You know your town is small when you have a flashlight that is blinking, that is taped to a tree, and that is the stoplight. Hello. I'm telling you. I am, we're driving down Frontage Road. And that's, that's a joke, but that's kind of serious, too, if you know Bozeman and Belgrade, Montana. I love you, Mom and Dad. Uh, the, Katie's folks are probably watching. Uh, they're laughing, though. But I go, and I get to her house, and we're at her house, and um, I meet her little brothers and sisters that, you know, at the time, Annie was, what, six? Yeah, she was like six. Her brother, Jeff, Annie, was, she just got married. I just officiated their wedding on Friday. It was amazing. Um, and then her brother, Phil, and Jeff. And I get there, and I'm just loving it. It's great. We're having a good time, meeting the family, hanging out. We went and saw Pearl Harbor uh, at downtown. Her brother, Phil, who was like t 10 years old, cried at the movie. And I just was like, oh, it's emotional. But then we get to this point of the end, like we're all kind of wrapping up dinner. and We're all saying good night to everybody. Good night, good night, good night. And her aunt is there. And I thought, man, her aunt really likes this family. Maybe she doesn't have any other place to be. She just loves to be here. And that's awesome. I think that's great. And as I'm standing there, um, we, Aunt Lisa's amazing. We're laughing, having a good time. Well, all of a sudden, we give everyone, you know, everyone gives each other hugs, and they say goodnight. And I see Aunt Lisa walk through a door and disappear. And I'm like, what is this? She's going through this door and just kind of disappearing. Maybe she's, has, you know, maybe she's getting in her car that I, you know, this place of the house I didn't see. Um, I don't know. Maybe she's driving to a place because I thought she lived someplace else. She just liked to be around the family. So I go, I go the next morning. I see, I get up and she's already there. And I'm at day two at this trip. And I'm like, where does Aunt Lisa live? And I come to find out, I go, I go Kate, where does Aunt Lisa live? She goes through that door at night. Where does she go? And she says, oh, you didn't know. And I said, no, I didn't. What, what, what should I know? And she goes, oh, yeah, we have a camper in the garage, and that's where Aunt Lisa sleeps. So here am I thinking, city boy in the country going, this is kind of Jeff Foxworthy-esque where she's living in the garage in an RV. I'm like, isn't she cold? That Montana winters are brutal. So I'm thinking to myself, how in the world is this, does that happen? How is this, how am I in this situation and in this life? But then now that I look back on it, I'm reminded of this idea of what I'm planting. I look back on it and say, what am I planting? Because in those moments, in those moments as a 19 year old young man, I could have planted out of my ignorance and out of my youth, uh, really a, a barrier to have a life that is full with family, full with friends, full with children. Do you get my drift? I could have planted in those moments saying, hey, I, this is weird, this city boy in the country, it's not going to work. I could have cut that off. I could have removed the seed out of the soil and said, I'm uprooting it, I'm out, based upon what I saw. However, because I stayed planted, I don't know about you, but that word is going to ring true for the, you in these next few moments. But as I stayed planted in the moment, guess what flourished? A marriage flourished. Children flourished. Our family, a church has flourished, right? Amen. Special needs ministries have flourished. Why? Because in that moment, I didn't let my ignorance 
And what I saw and what appeared to be odd to me derailed me from where God wanted to take me. Because oftentimes we see things in the natural and we put up a block. We put up a block and we're saying, nope, we're done. But maybe that is the thing that God actually wants to use for your breakthrough. Maybe he wants to use those things. And, 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 one, and I mean, I am just, I'm, I want to ask the question, what are you writing off that God is trying to give you? What, is, what are you writing off that God's trying to give you? God could be giving you a restored relationship, but you're writing it off right away. You're saying, nope, not having that because of your prior circumstances or maybe a way that you viewed things before. You've written it off and God actually wants to restore it. God could be giving you a new breakthrough, a new breakthrough. He could give you a new mentality. He could give you something new in front of you. He could give it to you, but you have been cutting it off. You've been writing it off. You've been saying, no, God, that's not the case because I don't want to stretch in that way. I don't want to move in that way. I don't want to operate in that way. What could, uh, what could be, um, God, God wants to give you something and he wants, you, you've been writing it off based upon your previous experience. Oh, well, that relationship didn't work 20 years ago. Well, how do I know it's going to work now? Oh, I took a step of faith then, but God didn't show up then. Why would I take a step of faith now? Well, that's the enemy wanting to put a fence up and derail the dreams that God has in front of you. So let me ask this question. What are you planting? What are you planting? You know, I think that when God puts things in our line of vision, we can go two ways. We can either operate in the faith that God has for us, or we can cut it off and we will never see the breakthrough that God intended for us to have because we're not willing to step through the open door. I believe that God gives you windows and doors. Windows to look through and doors to walk through. And we have a lot of Christians, a lot of followers of Jesus that God has given you the open door, but you're standing back, not taking the step of faith and walking through that door because God has something on the other side of the door that's even greater than you would even understand, but yet you have to be willing to take a step of faith. You have to take that step of faith. What are you planted? And I'm so fascinated with this concept of, uh, of, of it's not you, it's me. Because often in our world, it's so funny that in our me first world, the one place we don't look at me first is relationships. Or we look at me first as relationships. We're always telling other people, oh, well, that was that person that wronged me. It was this person at work that took the promotion from me. It was this. We're always putting the finger on somebody else. When I think that what we need to do is sometimes look back at ourselves and look at what's going on in our life because what we're doing is actually the problem and not the solution. Oh, it got quiet. It got quiet because... I think that, that, that we need to go and we need to focus sometimes on ourselves. Now, don't get me wrong. There's context here. Some people will listen to a message and they'll listen to it for 10 minutes and they'll say, oh, that was it. No, there's context here. There are times where we need to self-reflect because we need to better ourselves as human beings. And we need to better ourselves as followers of Jesus. We need to self-reflect. And I think that there are times where you look, you don't just need to look at your outside circumstance. You need to look at, and you need to have a heart check. You need to look at what's inside because what's inside is what you're going to produce outside. And we need to be people that are mindful about what's on the inside. And I think that, that we need to look at ourselves because sometimes we could be the problem. I hate to say that and be the bearer of bad news, but maybe you're the problem. Honestly, you're like, oh, he's really reading my mail now. I'm telling you, what, what if we're the problem? 
What if I'm the problem? Honestly, personally, what if I'm the problem? I mean, maybe the, release, the reason I have disagreements in my marriage, we don't, <laughs> but maybe there's reasons I do. Maybe it's because of me. Honestly, maybe it's because of me. If maybe I shouldn't look at my wife and go, oh, it's your fault you didn't do this. It's your fault. What if I'm the one that's the problem? Maybe it's my attitude that stinks. I, you know, like, like there was a time where we were in Montana and there was a lot of things going on, a lot of tension going on just within, within uh, the week because it's wedding week. Hello, there's tension around wedding week. Amen. And, and, and I, I had a chance to go and either be irritated or be loving. And I was thinking, you're getting ready to preach on Sunday. It's not you, it's me. And I could be irritated. But what did I choose to do? I looked at what was going on inside of me and said, you know what? I need to put some worship music on. I need to get outside of myself because the problem's not them, it's me. And I think that as followers of Jesus, we sometimes need to self-reflect and look at ourselves. So my, what I wonder, would, would, marriages, would less marriages end in divorce if we focused and took some time to actually make changes on ourselves rather than hoping the other person would change? I mean, think about like physical fitness. I can't will myself to good health. I have to work myself to good health. I got quiet too. I mean, you can't just will yourself. I can't will myself to be physically fit. It's not possible. I can't go, I'm going to get fit. I'm going to get fit. I'm going I'm, I'm to eat right. I'm gonna, and I never do it. You know, like, like you can't change if you're sitting there going, I want to change, but you don't actually have a part of the process. God is saying, here's the opportunity for change, but you have part of the process. You have to step in and say, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to step out. Would, would, would less friendships be lost if we actually said, maybe the problem is not them. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's not you. It's me. Would less people leave churches? Honestly, if they if they looked at the whole scheme of it and they said, oh, it's not you, church. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the problem. That I keep bouncing around, that I can't find a home, that I can't find a place. I don't know about you, but I have a part, a part in the process. My Bible reads in Psalm 92, 13, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Guess what? You can't have success if you're not planted, if you don't stay there, if you don't walk through it, and you don't look at yourself and say, you know what? I need to grow. I need to grow. I have to, I have, I'm the one that controls my story. I don't control my son's story. I have a part in it, but I don't control it. I didn't control when he decided to get baptized. We put an opportunity in front of him. We said, hey, does anyone want to be baptized? Eight-year-old kid, I'm in. Because he was part of the process. He knew that in his, in his heart, that, there, that he is part of the process. He is part of the solution. When we say yes, planted in the feet, or planted are your feet in God's house, you will flourish. How many want to flourish? Amen. I want to flourish. I want to flourish as much as I can. But I'm the one that has part of the process, and I'm the one that has to stay faithful. I'm the one that has to stay committed. Not the other person. I can't blame the other person for not being faithful when I'm not being faithful. Hello. That's right. We have to be the ones that are consistent. I think the church needs to rise up and be consistent in other people's lives. I think that that's why the church has made a bad rap because we say we're going to be somewhere and we, we bail. We bail. Oh, I can't be there. Or we, you know, I was talking to my father-in-law this week. We went and rode horses. With the, I didn't ride a horse. You know me, city boy in the country. But my kids rode horses. I mean, you should see Kennedy. I wish I had a picture. She felt like Miss Cowgirl. But I was talking to my father-in-law and he's saying... He's saying, man, it's really frustrating 
Because people that just don't follow through on commitments, they can't even say no. They can't even say no. People are, are, are going out and, and, and even just a simple no would, be, would suffice. But we have so many people that are so scared of conflict. They're so scared of actually just living out how, you know, the yes and the no, that, that, that someone couldn't even have the, the decency to even say no. And I think that the church has had a problem with that, is we've said, we love you, but we never want to help people. We care for you, but we don't ever want to actually go out and minister to them. We say, we're gonna, I think that us as followers of Jesus need to look at ourselves and say, you know what, I need to follow through on what I say I'm going to do. I need to be somebody that's loyal. I need to walk in that. So think about this, relation, this concept of relationships as seeds and soil, d dirt. And, and this is the thing. You're never going to really reap a harvest if you don't combine the seeds and the soil. You can ne you, it'll never grow. And oftentimes we alienate the seeds in the soil. But the only way those come together is when we're actually intentionally about doing it. We have to combine it. So to get a harvest, you have to go through the process of planting in order for you to produce fruit. You know, like I, I don't proclaim to be a botanist or a green thumb or whatever, but I know if you put seeds in soil and you nurture it and you take care of it, that the process will go through and it will grow over the course of time. And I think that we as followers of Jesus, as, as people that love God, that what we need to do is we need to let the seed and the soil come together so that, the, so that this, we can really see a harvest in our midst. And, and I think that too often times we're quick to uproot. Think about that story that I told you about Katie and I. If I would have uprooted what I saw because of my experience and my ignorance, I would have never had the blessing of marriage to the greatest woman on the planet. I would have never had the opportunity to have children with that woman and have these amazing kids if I would have let myself be uprooted in that moment and gone someplace else. Because when I stay planted and when I trust the plans of God, guess what? I'm going to see a harvest in due time. It might not be as you want to see it. It might not be as fast as you want to see it. But in due time, you will see a harvest. And I think that we're way too quick to uproot. And I think that we kind of walk into spaces and times and we go, if it doesn't flow, I want to go. If it doesn't flow, I want to go. I'm out. If it doesn't flow, not there. Just because it's not the way that you feel like it should be. Maybe God has you planted there so that you can be the change in those moments. That you don't, you don't, you know, if it doesn't flow, I want to go. I think you should do, if you stay, God will make a way. Hello. If you stay, God will make a way. And we have so many Christians that are going, nope, I'm out. I'm done. I can't do it. Well, friend, if you stay, God will make a way for you. What you need to do is stay planted. And you need to look at yourself and go, it's not you. It's me. It's me. For God to make a way, we have to be the ones that are willing to plant ourselves there. I have three points for you. Three simple points. And then we will break for lunch. We're going to have an altar time too because I believe God spoke to me about some things that God wants to deal with in these moments. But uh, number one, you harvest what you plant. You harvest what you plant. Proverbs 14, 14 says, you harvest what you plant whether good or bad. That's good, right? You can't put apple seeds in the ground and hope an orange tree comes up. Honestly. Like, I've never seen anybody put an apple seed in the ground and an orange tree. You know, for, if you are here a few weeks ago, someone put an orange tree in the ground and I thought it was limes. 
the process needed to grow a little bit more. And that's the fact of the matter is you can't put something in the ground and expect something else to grow. Outcomes, I believe, are based upon action. They're based upon my action. And I believe that what I'm harvesting will grow. If you put in patience into the ground, into this metaphor of life, if you put patience into the ground, guess what? You'll reap a harvest of patience. If you put in anger, guess what? You're going to reap anger. If you put in love, you're going to harvest love. If you put in complaining, oh, this will be a good one. If you put in complaining, you're going to harvest complaining. Because you could either complain about your circumstance or you can go and say, you know what? I have a, the ability in my circumstance to change my circumstance. And you're going, oh, well, you have no idea what surrounds me. Well, you know what? I know my God is too, not too small, that he can take care of everything. If my God owns the, thaddle, uh, the cattle on a thousand hills, guess what? He cares about you. He cares about you. And so when you harvest complaining about your situation, oh, this thing, and oh, this thing, and oh, this thing, and I don't want to go into details. But when we, when we harvest or when we plant complaining, guess what? We're going to start reaping it all the time. We're going to complain about everything. Oh, they're too late. Oh, my shoes hurt. Oh, my laces are too tight. My back hurts. I can't see straight. I mean, we're going to find ways to complain about everything. If you plant it, it's going to grow. If you, this, this, this is a tough one, but if you put in lust, you'll reap a harvest of insecurity in relationships. I'm not going to speak on private issues. I think we should speak on private issues and make them public in regards to some of these type things. If you, if you go and you, and, you, and you plant lust, you're looking at things you shouldn't look at. You're, walk, you're, you're thinking about things you shouldn't think about. Guess what? You're going to harvest that in your relationship. You're going to harvest that in, in the midst of, of, of insecurity. And you know what? You're going to be lonely because what you're planting, you will harvest. Let me give you one encouraging one. If you put in trust, guess what? You're going to harvest trust. You see, I believe in relationships, in relationships, not just marriage, but any relationship. What we put in, we'll get out. If we put in frustration into our marriages, guess what? We're going to get out frustration. If we put in to our children, never saying that we're proud of them, never encouraging them, guess what? They are not going to, that when they grow up, we're going to harvest them not feeling insecure and feeling not validated and feeling not worth because their dad or mom didn't say they loved them or didn't say they're proud of them. Maybe you need to send a text out even in this moment and say, you know what, son, you know what, daughter, I'm proud of you. Thanks for what you do because it's important for what I see. And, what I, and this is the thing. God spoke to me in this moment, not right here, but while I was preparing this message, that a lot of us. We, we really need to plant some good things. And I, but I believe that, that the only way that we can really have true transformation is what we do is we alter things. Not A-L-T-E-R. I think a lot of us try to alter them on ourselves. We go, oh, well, we need to alter this so that I can have this different outcome. No, 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 no. I think we need to A-L-T-A-R. We need to bring them right here. And we need to get on our knees before God. We need to say, you know what? You need to come into my heart. You need to do a work in me because it's not you, God. It's me. I'm the one that needs to change. So I need to get on my knees and I need to say, God, 
I love you. I need you. Search my heart. Search my soul where things are inside of me that need to get out. I need you to move in my life. But we're so quick to go, oh, I just need to alter this. Maybe if I just do devotions a little bit more. Maybe if you just get on your knees at the altar and you seek God, that that's the one that will alter your circumstance. That that's the one that will alter the change in front of you. That you need to go and humble yourself. Because I don't know about you, I've sat at this altar so many times when nobody's in this room because I need God to do a work in me. I need God to do a work in me as your pastor. I sat here this morning. I'm just saying, God, I need you in my life. Search me. The scriptures say it. The scriptures say it. Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's not about somebody else. That's about me. That's not about my friends. That's not about my kids. That's not about anyone else. It's about me. It's not you, it's me. Psalm 139, verse 23 through 28. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart and I will give you a new spirit and I will put it within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Friends, some of us need to say, God, it's not you, it's me. I need to go and get right with you because I want to see a different harvest in my life because based upon what I've planted, my circumstances haven't changed. I need to be the one to go and get on my knees and have God search me so that I can be the change agent in my story. You have a process and you have a product in your own story. It starts with me. Everyone say it starts with me. Change starts with you. Number two. Be the one you hope to have. Be the one you hope to have. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. If I only had this. How many have ever heard that? If I only had, this, if I only had more money. If I only had a friend that was loyal. If I only had a spouse that would listen to me. If I only had fill in the blank. We've all said it probably. You know, oh, if I only had this. Well, friends. If you, you're a product and you have a part in your own story, be the one you hope to have. And I love weddings. And I was reminded when I went and I officiated my sister-in-law's wedding, soon new brother-in-law, Josh and Annie Sonico. It, it sounds weird because it normally is Annie Prickett, but whatever. Um, I'm going to have to get used to that. But as I was there, what I love about wedding ceremonies is the beauty in it. But I love the fact that what they do is they say their vows. And they had deeply personal vows. And in those vows, I mean, it was hard to almost, I mean, my wife was there, it was hard for us to like hold back tears because of the beauty inside the vows that they said to one another. And these vows were things like this. My heart will be your home. My arms will be your shelter. I will be with you always. No matter what adversity happens, I will be there. And I think that a lot of us as followers of Jesus, we want to see God move in our life or we want to have friends like we'd hope, like we certainly want. But I think that I love wedding vows because what happens is they're telling that other person what they want to be, what, what they want to be for them rather than what they're prescribing them to be for them. Get, my, get what I'm saying? And I think that in our life, we need to be the one we hope to have. So when my marriage is, is, is in a challenging state, 
maybe I need to be the one that say, I want to go and I want to be more loving in this side and I'm going to be the one she hopes I, I am. Because I really think that when we, are, we are the, when we are the friends that are loyal, when we are the friends that are trustworthy, when we are the friends that are generous, when we are the friends that are kind, guess what? We can be those types of people and, and if we're going to plant it, it will grow and we're going to reap a harvest if we concentrate on working on ourselves. We love other people and I'm going to get to that in a second, but it starts with us. And we, we should be the ones, like I think in relationships, if I go into, a, into my marriage, if I go into that and I say she's got to be this, guess what? I've already eliminated the me side. I'm focusing on what she needs to be. Well, if I focus on, my, on the way that, that, that I, what she needs, if I focus on the things and I change the way that I operate myself for, to be the person that she needs, guess what? Her needs are met. And I think that we need to be the ones we hope to have. Look at this. In, in, in John 12 verses, uh, or in John 12 and in, in chapter 12 and 13, within a span of five days, we see two of the most important foot washings in all of the history of the world in John 12 and 13. And I say this because be the one you hope to have. We see Mary washing the feet of Jesus. What a beautiful picture right before he's getting ready to go to the cross. And then we see this powerful penetrating teaching in the upper room where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And I believe that this powerful takeaway in those moments of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, he was actually being the answer. He was being the solution to the problem. And what he was saying is he didn't come to serve, but he came, or he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And I think that Jesus was modeling that. And I love this, that before Jesus ever teached, he touched. Before Jesus ever, ever, ever teached, taught anything, he touched and what did he do to his disciples? He spent years, three years with them, hanging out, teaching them. But you know what? The hours before he was going to be crucified, guess what? He's on his knees. He's touching their feet, their nasty feet. I don't like feet at all. Especially, can you imagine the Bible feet? Hello. Let's just be real. No pedicures in the Bible. Think about that for a moment. And the idea that he's on his hands and knees because you know what? He's modeling what he'd hoped they'd be. He was the example of what they hoped to live out because of the fact that he got on his hands and knees. Jesus was the one to model the hope in order for us to live like him. So we need to love others like him. And we need to start with us. Friend, it needs to start with you. It's not you, it's me. I can't expect somebody else to change the world because you know what? It's, it's me. Maybe you're the one that's supposed to change your world. Maybe you're the ones that, that are supposed to say, yes, I'll step up, I'll do that. You know what? Maybe you're supposed to be the one that goes and serves in our TC Kids nursery and you hug on some babies. Or maybe you go to TC Kids Junior and maybe you're the one that's supposed to be outside waving the parking lot flag outside going, we love you, getting honks all the time. Why? Because maybe you're the one that has the, the change inside of you that could change the world. Maybe that person that's driving by is on their way to commit suicide but you're the only smile that they see and they decide to change. That's the idea of knowing God, finding freedom, discovering your purpose so that you can make a difference. You want to make a difference? You have to serve. You have to go and you have to take a step up and you have to do it yourself. You have to be like Jesus. You have to love like Jesus. You have to serve others like him and you have to live with compassion like Jesus. So if you want to see it move, you need to be the change agent. Be the one you hope to have. Be the one you hope to have. My final point, and really I believe that this is the focal point, and the source of all relationships is let God be your soil. Let God be your soil. 
Guess what? Nothing good grows without God. <laughs> and nothing good grows in the dark either. That'll preach. It's really quiet. I know you're writing it down. But nothing good grows without God. I love what Louis Giglio says. Relationships succeed when awareness of God and connectivity to God are the foremost in our thinking. I'm going to read that again. Relationships succeed when awareness of God and connectivity to God are, for, are foremost in our thinking. And so you need to let God be your soil. John 15, 5 states this. Uh, it's real, it's, it's, this it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. I love this part because it proves my point that apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. Apart from God, you can do nothing. That preposition apart from Jesus, the result is nothing, not anything, nada, not a single thing. Without Jesus, nothing of value is possible. Nothing of value is possible apart from him. But you know what? You have to let God be your soil. Whatever you're facing, you want to see your marriage get better. Put it in God. We have connect groups starting up. We have connect groups for, uh, for um, couples. Guess what? That's the greatest way to go and see change is getting involved in a connect group because you're letting God be your soil. You're putting it down in there and you're saying, God, I trust you with my marriage. Maybe you are in this room and you've had health issues. Maybe you want a family and you feel like the womb is closed up. Well, you know what? Give it to God. Let God be your soil. Because when you let God be your soil, the harvest that will come will be in his timing, not your own. Because I know what will happen is we'll get discouraged in the moment. We'll get frustrated in the moment. But when you put it in God's hands, nothing is impossible. Matthew 19, 26, with man, everything's impossible. With God, all things are possible. All things are possible when you put it in God's soil. If you don't think that that's the truth, let me give you an example of it. And it's kind of ironic that I didn't have a closing story yesterday and I told Katie and we were talking about it and I was just like, I just don't have it. And then I told God, I was like, God, reveal it to me. And he revealed it to me early this morning. And it, he reminded me as I laid in bed with my wife of this story. And I thought, what a powerful illustration because we want God to move now, right? We want God to move like yesterday. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Like, we're impatient. We're like, God, move. We needed the miracle yesterday. We, we, we don't need it today. We want it yesterday. You know, like, that's the type of way. Like, we're impatient. Let's just be honest. We're fast food everything. We're not patient for anything. You know, but the Bible says be patient. And so God tests our patience because we want to see the miracle in the making, but we aren't willing to put it in the soil of God and wait for the miracle to come, come to pass. So I was praying and I was thinking, God, what, where have I seen this in my life? And God goes, look next to you. And there's my wife. And I thought to myself, well, you're kind of funny, God. What does that mean? And he reminded me to what? An altar. Not A-L-T-E-R. Because Katie and I, when we dated, uh, she knows where I'm going. We were in a space that was not good. We put each other on a, on, on a, on a post, or, you know, like, and we were like, we worship kind of each other. Let's just be honest. I don't have a better way to put it. And it was really in that moment where I, we were trying to alter every single thing. A-L-T-E-R. A-L-T-E-R. Alter our life. We were trying to alter it in some capacity where we were trying to do it on our merit. 
We were trying to, oh, well, it's not you, it's me. And we were trying to do that. And, and we, we, I, I found myself in Miami, Florida, on my knees at an altar, praying about the situation. And the, 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 the situation of our relationship terrified because I was saying it's, I, I was just so frustrated and she was frustrated and we were trying to alter it, A-L-T-E-R. But then when I let God search my heart, God was so audible, I've never heard him more clear than in that moment. And he said to me, if you trust her and you're ever going to be the leader of a family, let her go to me. And I thought, well, I don't really want to do that. Let's just face it. <laughs> you know, we're tight-knuckled about things, about relationships, about situations. We're tight-knuckled about it. No, God, you can have everything, but, you know, don't, you can't have this. God said, if you're ever going to lead a family, you've got to trust her with me. So guess what? I trusted him with her. And I put our future in God's soil. Little did I know, and it broke her heart, by the way. Broke her heart. I'm sorry. <laughs> Still sorry. <laughs> but you know what? When I put it, in the soil of God over the course of time due to faithfulness in who God is in my life. And I just let God, and I, I said, I don't know the future. I don't know what's going to come to pass. I don't know how this is going to happen. But I'm going to put it in the soil of you and let you grow whatever you want to grow. Well, not more than a year and a half, two years later, we talked to each other she comes and visits Florida, not by chance. She, she came on a missions trip, but that's how God ordains things. Is she, is she came and he, cr he crossed my path with her again. And there was a newness about what God did in our hearts, in the depths of our hearts, to go and create this relationship. And we looked at one another on the beach in Fort Lauderdale. And we said, we're either going to go all in or nothing. What are we going to do? And she looked at me and I looked at her and we said, we're going all in. Why? Because we put something in the soil of God. And when you put things in the soil of, the God, of, of our God, guess what? You're going to reap a harvest, but you have to actually be willing to plant it in that moment. And so often we're saying, no, we, God, we want you to move, but I'm not going to give it to you. We want you to move, but, 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 but I can't let you have it anymore. No, you actually need to give it to God and you need to let God search the inside of who you are. What does that look like? It's saying, God, reveal the things in me that I need you to, to go so that I can really reap the harvest. Take away the things that are, that, that are not good in my life or take the, the things away, maybe past offenses. I've been on my knees at times and God has brought up past things that maybe I've said to somebody else that is actually eliminating the harvest in someone else's life and in my life because I have bitterness in my heart. So we need to be the ones that are willing to say, take off the mask and say, God, I need you. I need you. I need you. That we need to plant things in the soil of God. And when we plant things in the soil of God, guess what? The harvest is going to be amazing. But you have to be willing. And you know what's interesting? The Bible says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Because some of us aren't willing to put the, the work in, the heart work in, to see the harvest come to pass. Would you bow your heads?